Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Welcome to another edition of the Foolish Adventure Show. I'm your host, Tim Connolly, and I'm here with my special guest, Elaine Amon of Layout a Day. As she's been doing a membership site for about a year and a half uh, for the scrapbooking industry, which uh, I have, uh, for some strange reason, I guess through my association with uh, Izzy and, and his wife, Noelle, have kind of become the... Uh, guru to the scrapbooking stars. Uh, <laughs> so, Elaine, uh, 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 what can you tell us about yourself before we can get into our real discussion for today? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is I have to say, how's it going, Tim? And you have to say... What's up, Elaine? <laughs> there we go. I, I would miss that if we didn't do that. Anyway, um, yeah, I've had my business um, at layoutaday.com for about a year and a half, and it's going very well. It is my my um, main income at this time, and I'm running into a lot of those growing pains as, as people take their businesses from kind of a startup stage into um, more of a, a, a middle-aged or or adolescent, whatever you want to say, business. It's not really middle-aged yet, but uh, so so I love what I do, love scrapbooking, love internet marketing, and it's fun to have a guru who understands a little bit about scrapbooking and um, the non-internet marketing world, whatever niche somebody might be in. So, yeah. Which, actually, I don't understand anything about scrapbooking. Um, <laughs> it, it, it confuses me. Um <laughs> But I, 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 you know, I, I understand the creative side of it. I understand how, you know, how it's so, so much of it is offline. And I, I think it, I think it's a, an industry that's really ready for a rebirth. Um, you know, I've talked to Izzy and Noel about it a lot. And, and I, I really think because of the, uh, that industry had such a collapse in its media, uh, the offline media. I, I really think there's a a rebirth uh, that just needs to be led by somebody. Oh, I totally agree. And I think what's really interesting and what carries over to many other industries and niches outside of internet marketing is that internet marketing, if you're selling to other online marketers, you're kind of a step or two or three ahead of most other industries. If you look at scrapbooking, I bet it would be the same in fly fishing or to use a common one here on Foolish Adventure, cake decorating right. or bowling. <laughs> they're, not, they're not at the same point that selling to other internet marketers would be. So to, to take a look at where our industry is and how it's uh, moving more online, I think is really analogous to what's going on in a lot of other industries as well outside of scrapbooking. Right, right. I, I, I think there's a lot of industries that are just ready for uh, ready for that rebirth, uh, especially during a recession. When we're in a recession, it's always a great time to start building up a new, uh, a new, maybe not a new niche, but uh, uh, fully, fully uh, bringing back life to an industry that's been hit by the recession. And, and so I'm, I'm all for, I'm, I'm just really excited about the people who I, I've gotten to know in the scrapbooking industry, because I can't wait to see what happens to that industry. 
Oh, it's going to be really interesting. And again, like you said, in, in a lot of other um, areas as well that have been hit hard by the recession, it's not for lack of demand on our consumers' part. It's the media. The media, and not to point fingers or blame them, but just that their their business model, their income model was heavily based on that advertising. And the distribution costs were pretty much fixed. Their printing costs were pretty much fixed. And it couldn't sustain in the changes with delivery and, and the competition from online during a recession. And I think that's true for a lot of niche publications as well, that uh, they, they just didn't have the right model. So the people are still out there. The people are still wanting the information that we can provide. It's just we're, we're in a, a prime position now to take a look at what tools and, and technologies we have at our disposal to bring that information to them in a new manner. And more and more of them are going to be turning to online because they can't find it at their newsstand. Right. I, and, and I really want to emphasize, and you, you've kind of, uh, you have done this a bit, but I just want to like hammer at home, is that this isn't just for like one particular industry. This is for every industry. Uh, people need to look at what they're doing and see that it's not that people aren't buying, especially in the United States. Uh, there is still a lot of money being spent in this country. Um, people talk about, the, uh, especially the media, When, as you mentioned, the media, when they said when we hit this recession, it was the worst recession since the Great Depression. Uh, there were no bread lines, all right? Uh, there weren't uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, migrating across the United States looking for uh, handyman work just to be able to get some food that day. You know, n that was not happening. Uh, what was happening was we had huge lines uh, waiting for the next iPhone to come out. We had huge <laughs> lines waiting for the next uh, 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 gadget. You know, uh, that that's what really happened during this recession. Uh, people still went out and bought uh, co uh, coffee for four bucks a cup. Uh, people still did a lot of the things that they were doing. They just shifted money from... Uh, different uh, different industries to other ones, and and that's what we need to do. Uh, we need to take advantage of of that shifting uh, money and just kind of get in front of it and let them put it in our pockets. Exactly. And if we can find a better way to deliver that same content, probably at a lower cost than what might um, might have happened pre recession, because because of the technologies we now have, I think um, what I have personally experienced is that the market is there. You might have to go outside the bounds of your little comfort zone, um, but if you think of the number of people online at any given time worldwide, a certain percentage of them I mean, it's a minuscule percentage that you actually have to convince to buy your product before you can be profitable. Right, uh, as long as you don't go on a spending spree. Mm. Uh, be beforehand, you know, uh, and, and which kind of gets us to our, our actual topic today, which is scope creep. Uh, and I think uh, uh, expense creep comes along with scope creep. But yeah. let's let's uh, we'll skip the expense talk today and just go into talking about uh, how things uh, like when we try to expand our businesses, what that actually does to us and what we can do about it. Right. 
Right. So yeah, my my main concern is that I see not only my business growing, but the demands on me growing as well. And I, how I was talking about it is, and this has been said before, but that myth of the four-hour work week, that wouldn't it be nice if I only had to work four hours a week? But what I find is over time, as I add more products, as I add more um, layers and enhancements to my business, um, whether it be wanting to interact more in a vibrant Facebook community or taking a look at Google Plus or adding a podcast, which I did recently, or reaching out via um, video to my to my audience or potential audience, that those things are all great and I get great feedback from most of them. But what that does is it adds more to my to-do list. I can't just do one video and say, okay, well, I've, I've added video to my business. I need to have a regular schedule regular schedule of videos coming out so I have a presence on YouTube or on Vimeo. Um, same with the podcast. I can't do a handful of podcasts, you know, record three at once and then say I, I have a podcast. It's now a weekly thing that's been added to my to-do list. And I, you know, you, you hear as a business owner, I hear things like, okay, well, you've got to be um, more interactive with your community. You've got to, got to give them opportunities to have a conversation with you. Um, but all those things come at a cost and it's usually a time cost. So my, my dilemma then is how do I choose what to add, what to keep, what to make a regular part of my business schedule, realizing that those things, you know, chatting with people on Twitter for 20 minutes a day might be a great thing that my audience enjoys and makes them feel more engaged, but that's either 20 more minutes I spend on my business or 20 minutes I can't spend creating a new product or um, recording the podcast or um, blogging. So how I can't do everything. Um, so how do I choose what to do? <laughs> it depends on your goals. Mm. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the so-called gurus out there in the social media world telling uh, telling people how much they have to engage and everything. Uh, they're broke. <laughs> um, mo most of them aren't making any money. Very, very few people that are spending their time engaging are actually doing any selling. And selling is what, what makes a company money. Uh, engaging, uh, you may have to find a, a hook for your business, but I, uh, and you may have to find ways to take your content and spread it across multiple media without you being directly involved in it. Um, but it really comes down to your goals because if you're trying to build a personal brand, well, then you can't separate you from it. Mm. And, and that, that's, a, that's a big distinction. And, and a lot of people just getting started in business think that they have to build a personal brand, that they have to be the person there. Uh, uh, in, in previous episodes, Izzy and I have talked about that with Izzy Video. He's like, well, my business is even named after me. And so how could I ever get away from that? And and I've always told him, you know, Izzy has that sound that it's so close to easy that he could he could play that up and start introducing other people into his membership site to teach certain things. He could he could start doing that. So eventually he could transition out of having to create all the content himself mm -hmm. and and still be the uh, still be in charge of, of the company and maybe still every once in a while do the things that he really wants to showcase in video. Mm. So, so that, that's one, one, uh, one way. But the, the main thing is just to trying to determine whether or not you're trying to build a, a product business or are you trying to build a, 
a personal brand. That makes a lot of sense because if you look at the Tim Ferriss example with his nutritional supplement company, people didn't really care if they were buying from him or buying from Joe Schmo next, you know, in the next county. That was not a branded to Tim Ferriss items. So it didn't matter if his customer service people were answering emails or if he did it personally. So he could easily remove himself from that process. When you do have that personal brand, somebody, when they email me, they expect they're going to get me. Um, because I am the face of, of my brand. And if I want to keep it like that, then I'm going to have to find, sounds like what you're saying is find structures to, to manage that. Or if I do want to remove myself a little bit, then start moving in that direction. So that's a decision I'll have to think about. And, and, um, what do you see as, as the, what price do you pay if you try like an Izzy's case or my case where we are the, the, or Noelle's case, we're the face of our company. And then you start pulling back what, what, how is that going to affect the business? I, I don't see it as initially pulling back. Mm. Uh, I, I see that you start adding other other people into it. Okay. So so you will still be doing what you do, and and then you'll bring in someone else to uh, maybe start handling customer service. And you'll tell everybody, oh, you know, it's it's Joanne in my customer service department. You know, just ask for Joanne. Mm. And and everybody in your customer de- service department's named Joanne. Um, <laughs> all 17 of them. <laughs> all 17 of them. <laughs> it's like, what is that commercial? The Peggy commercial? Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're all Peggy. <laughs> right. So, so you, you that, that's one way of handling it that way. If Joanne ever does actually leave, you know you can uh, you can have someone else still handle everything. You don't have to do it that way, but if you want to make a uh, that person known to your to your market, uh, Chipotle. I don't know if they still do this. They used to do this. Uh, they had a guy who answered like almost all the emails that Chipotle would get. And he would go out to all the openings of new Chipotle stores, and he would sit out front with a, a cooler of beer, and and he would talk with people. Uh, you know, this was before they were like opening stores every day, uh, but he would be out there, and he was like the face of their customer service department, which was growing rapidly. But he was still kind of the face of it, so it right. still kept a human, uh, a human approach to to dealing with people. As opposed to you sent off an email and it just kind of disappeared at Chipotle Corporation, right? Right. Uh, so, right. so those are ways of dealing with it. But I think a lot of people are just scared to say no to their customers. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, say no, you can't have my time. No, uh, if you want, uh, if you want this, you pay for it. No, if you if you want. Uh, uh, your emails answered. It's going to be answered by someone else in my department, uh, in my company, because I need to be the the guiding force of my company and not not your personal assistant. Mm. You know that's a, a challenge that I've seen Gary Vaynerchuk in particular face because his big thing was I will answer your email. You tweet me and I'll tweet back, which doesn't scale very well. And I see a lot of people like Pat Flynn hitting that wall now and Erica of Erica.biz. I don't know if you're familiar uh-huh. with her, um, where they say, I just can't, 
I got to find a different way to do this because it's not working. Because then what what happened with Gary is he faced some blowback when people suddenly he's getting, you know, 500 emails a day, 1,000, you know, whatever it might be. I'm sure it's in the thousands now. And he can't answer those personally. And he at one point, I heard an interview with him where he said, well, I think your audience gives you a lot of credit for trying. I don't think so. I think maybe at the beginning that worked, but when you sell yourself as I'm the guy who answers your email personally and then you suddenly aren't answering emails, you get maybe 20 happy people and a thousand unhappy people a day. I don't think that that it just doesn't doesn't work. So I I think people need to kind of in that stage where I'm at, maybe Izzy's at where you see that coming down the road because other people have faced it and coming up with a plan to deal with it now. Like you're saying, either your customers are going to have to pay to play where if they want more access to you, they need to join your membership site or they need to take a class with you or or something like that versus whoever emails me, whoever tweets me, I'll, I'll answer. Right, right. Uh, I, and, and with Foolish University, uh, I... I don't really answer a lot of emails from my members because um, uh, they they know not to email me. Um, <laughs> not, not because not because I'm 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 a jerk about it. I, I uh, when they do email me, I do answer. Uh, it's just that I, I've I've set up this. Uh, there's a forum inside Foolish University, and it's like ask a question there because I will be more than happy to answer a question damn near day or night Mm -hmm. and I'll come in and I'll answer questions but I want it to help everybody who's a member if I'm going to take the time because um, you know for internet marketing uh, education Foolish University is really cheap and and especially all the uh, access they get to me so so I like to make sure that uh, if I'm going to take the time to do one thing it's going to help a lot of people and not and not just that 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 one person. If it's just one person, somebody wants one on one with me, they can pay for it. Right. Uh, uh, and and I will charge uh, with members. I'll do a, a minimum of an hour. But with other with companies, they they have to pay me at least a half a day just to sit down and talk with me. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the way I've structured my life so that. You know, it's I can still do the things I want to do, and I can implement new things. And and it, I just tell people this is how I do business. If you don't like it, you don't have to be my customer. Now, did that come from kind of day one because you were in that business consulting role? Because what I'm thinking now is that I have to make kind of a shift where when I had 500 readers on my blog, I could answer every email. When I had 50 people in my membership group, I could respond and be more accessible. Now that I'm hitting much larger numbers, I have to shift there. So they don't consider themselves necessarily my customers. They consider themselves my friends. So I think they'll understand if I do it tactfully, but I'm wondering for you if you had to make a shift at a certain point or how do we handle that when um, – when people are used to a certain way and now we're moving them towards this new way. <laughs> Courage. Because uh, <laughs> I, I used to be one of those uh, consultants back in the day. Uh, I was running around in a, in a suit and tie um, having to answer, answer to CEOs and, and board members about marketing campaigns and everything. And I had, I, I was accessible like 24 seven and, mm. 
and it was just like that's stupid. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, I had a, a a baby girl, and and I'm like, this this just does not make any sense. This is not a decent life to live. I know a tie. Come on, I so cannot picture you in a tie. I, I know, I know. Uh, that was just crazy. So so I, I just I just uh, just started implementing rules of engagement. Uh, that mm-hmm. that's I, I just said okay. Here's how I'm going to interact. If if this isn't acceptable to you, then if you've paid me for a product, well, here's your refund and and have a great life. Uh, if if you um, if or if you if your membership's up or whatever, you know, just don't renew. If, if you don't want to, if you don't like the way I'm working on your campaign, well, then we can stop doing your marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. That. That's how how I handled it, uh, and and a couple of times I lost money, but in most cases people just went okay, right. And and it's and and even Tim Ferriss talks about that in the Four Hour Work Week when you start implementing rules, most people don't actually care. Uh, they go, oh, okay, I, I I won't do it. I I know your time's valuable, and and I I would hate it if somebody took up all my time. So right. uh, most people can em- uh, empathize with that. So, so I I think just just realizing that people will give you some slack, but you do uh, you may you may not be able to make all the changes like all at once. You know what's interesting there is I would say in my experience that the people who are most demanding of my time are the people who are paying me nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Like I got an email on a, a, a about a video recently, a free video on my site, and they told me they were disappointed in my free video. And so, of course, I said, well, I'd be happy to give you your money back. <laughs> 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 you know, that's the kind – I mean, I never would get that kind of comment from somebody who's in my membership group or um, who is, is closer, who's, who is an actual ongoing customer with me. That's the kind of comment you get from somebody who's a flyby who isn't interested in being a customer. They really just are after the, the, the freebies. So that's yeah, kind of uh, uh, the free stuff. And then, and then they, there, there is that group of people who just like to throw out insults and, <laughs> you know, that whatever, whatever's going wrong in their life, they, they decide that they're going to take it out on a business owner yeah. uh, because, you know, most business owners will take it because right. they, they think uh, customers are always right. But, yeah. Well, if you don't know that this person's not a customer, then you may treat them like uh, uh, like that. You'll let them berate you or whatever. Right. I don't. Customer paying or not, uh, right. if if somebody's rude to me, they're gone. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. and so so th- that's kind of a rule of engagement, and a lot of people don't have that, and you know, they they don't have a rule of engagement for Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter about twice per day. In the morning, I flip it on. I take a look to see because I've got friends who are in Southeast Asia and mm-hmm. I've got members in uh, Australia and people in Europe. So we're on different time zones. So I, I go in, I take a look to see if any of them have uh, started a conversation I'm interested in or they've uh, uh, tried to reach out to me. Uh, because I'm immensely accessible on Twitter, and then in the af- and then in the evenings I do it again. So I'll, I'll come in late afternoon and I'll uh, tweet out a few things and uh, maybe have a conversation with someone, and then then I'm done. I'm gone mm. uh, because I know Twitter doesn't make me money. Right. You know that's a good question right there. How do you judge what? 
okay, obviously we're in business to help people and to make money. You know, it's not a charity in most cases. We're doing it because we're trying to make it into a business, but we do want to provide value to our customers. How do you judge which of all the myriad of extra things we could be doing is actually making money, whether it's the Facebook or the Google Plus or um, the videos or the podcasting? How do you, how, do, what kind of metrics or measurements can we use to evaluate those efforts so we can figure out? what to do more of and what to do, what's a lower priority? Okay, uh, there, there are new social media metrics and stuff coming out. Uh, some of them are fairly convoluted. Um, the, uh, going, say, with like Twitter, uh, like a, a link back to uh, a product, some people still will make a few sales with with affiliate sales uh, or a sale of their own product on Twitter, and so that's that's a direct relationship. You can say I tweeted out to this number of followers and I got this number of sales, and so that that lets me know I'm making money from it, right? Mm-hmm. And or you can even do it in a better in a better relation than based upon number of followers is how much time have I had to spend on Twitter versus how much money I've made from it Uh, and then divide that up and see how much money you've made per hour on Twitter and and most people aren't making any money so but they spend hours and hours and hours on it Uh, so so that's that's one kind of metric and that's a metric that I use Uh, uh, it's not the only metric because I I also understand the the idea that with social media, you know, 50% of all your social media time is wasted, but you don't know which 50%. Uh, right. Paraphrasing that, uh, the ad man from the 50s, I can't remember his name. Uh, it is, some, some of your time is wasted. Uh, brand building uh, does have a lot of wasteful aspect to it, but you never know when, when that tipping point is going to hit with social media. Uh, so, so you're you're on Facebook and you're on Twitter and you're uh, you you've got stuff on YouTube and you're you're all over the place. But then eventually something hits. Like, um, oh gosh, what was that girl's name? Uh, I Justine. Uh, so I Justine was making videos on YouTube. You know, just goofy videos. She still makes just goofy videos. And w- she got the iPhone when it came out, and then. Uh, she got her bill from AT&T and she was uh, texting and they didn't summarize her texting bill. And it had a line item for every single text she had sent. <laughs> so she had sent thousands of text messages uh, in, in that month. And so she had this huge, I think it was like an 80-page bill from <laughs> AT&T. And she put that on YouTube. And that, that was the tipping point for iJustine. She was able to take her little hobby of making goofy videos on, on YouTube and turn it into a business after that. Uh, but, but we never know like what's going to be the trigger that uh, from all the work that we're doing. You know, she was putting video out, video out, and video out. And then all of a sudden, one video catches fire and, and the world wakes up to her and her comedy. And, and then now she's got a following and able to make make a living doing it right. uh, we never know and and that's the tough part so i guess really to answer your question it's more about uh how how do you uh, delegate uh, 
all the all the work necessary to be everywhere your customers are are mm. and that because you can't be where your customers are uh, in every single place it's right. not it's just not possible yeah uh, 24 hours a day is just not enough time so so we have to use technology to be everywhere like like if you were to alter your videos so that they could be also the audio could be stripped out and mm-hmm. and and the audio still makes sense <laughs> right because like some videos like you're showing it and and you say and and look here and right. and in the audio you're listening and it says look here i can't look anywhere right right uh, if you had videos that were that were uh, maybe more uh, expositional where you're just saying you're just talking about something and and you could then take the video, split it into, and now you can be on uh, in audio. Uh, you can have the audio out places. You can have the video out places. Uh, you can tran- maybe transcribe it or summarize it and make it into a post. But you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You could have someone else do that for you. It also sounds like when you say be everywhere your your audience is, you, it's not literally everywhere. I mean, like there are so many video sharing sites that you could submit your video to. And I know there are tools to make that easier, but you really can prioritize those and say, okay, well, if I get this to YouTube, I'm hitting the big one. Right. Or YouTube, Vimeo, and blah, 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 whatever your couple are. Like I found for me personally, LinkedIn is not going to be a great source of traffic for scrapbooking. It's a hobby versus a, a business. Um, for most people. So I could spend a lot of time posting stuff to LinkedIn, yet the payoff is very minimal. Right. Um, well, and that's, that's the thing is, are your customers there? And maybe there's 10 of them. But. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, uh, uh, so, so yeah, you, you have to find, then that's where like business decision comes in. How much right. time will it take to actually access those 10 customers? If, if it could be profitable, like if you could have someone working for you uh, doing some uh, doing something for like 10 bucks an hour and it takes them 10 hours so 100 bucks has been spent on uh, on reaching out to this market of 10 and and then you make 200 bucks okay now it's worthwhile uh, but if if you do this work and then it doesn't pan out then you can't you, then you kill it uh, it's like okay, not going there anymore. I'm not going to continue to waste money going in a direction that I'm not uh, I, I, that that's not profitable. Right. And and a lot of people uh, and and I've seen this mostly in blogging, right? Where people are sitting down and they're blogging and they're blogging for months and months and months, and they've never made a dime. Mm-hmm. And and maybe their audience is only like a thousand people. And and yet they've never they've they've never asked for any money they they've never put any effort in and then like they do uh, some some ebook that doesn't really respond to their markets and needs uh, uh, and and it, and it flops and they maybe make a few hundred bucks in sales they just worked all those months just to make a few hundred dollars. Uh, because they never answered the decision, like I said before, where it's like, are you, is this a hobby? Is this a personal brand? Or mm-hmm. is this a vehicle for making money? Right. 
Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it sounds, you know, reach just, I mean, this is obvious, but I'm going to state it just because I'm the queen of obvious. <laughs> the reach is just one portion of your overall business. You can be everywhere and people can know who you are and you could still make no money. Right. A lot and of real estate agents are like that. Exactly. You see their face on every park bench um, uh, or bus stop bench or whatever. But yeah, you can be everywhere and you still have to have the product. You have to have the business structure. You have to know what they want. Just being there doesn't mean anything. So it's kind of looking at your own business and the different pieces of it. Okay, now that for me, I feel like I've got some good products and I'm trying to expand that reach a a bit and I need to do that very um, strategically so I'm not wasting time. And uh, but for somebody else, they may have a great presence, but have no no product or no real business. They're just, you know, like Paris Hilton. <laughs> I, mean, I guess she's got a perfume or something now. But, you know, everybody for a long time, everybody knew who she was, but nobody knew why they knew who she was. Uh, which is funny I, uh, for a client uh, who was uh, trying to grow uh, her speaking uh, career. I, I actually studied Paris Hilton uh, and and how she became uh, successful uh, for being um, just known. You know, she became famous for being famous, and and she was very systematic about how she went about doing that. And a lot of people don't give her a lot of credit for her business acumen. You know, they you know she she played a dumb character in the in that uh, reality show with. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nicole Richie. Yeah, and, and Nicole Richie. You know, she they played dumb because that was what they were doing. Right. That was that was the script. Uh-huh. Uh, but she was very, uh, very bright. You know, she she uh, made use of her family's connections. Uh, you, know, she, you know, being a Hilton, you know, she was able to uh, get into places where she could then take make use of the celebrity culture that we have here. And so okay. she f- made herself a celebrity purposefully, and mm-hmm. and then in her first year, I think she made over a hundred grand uh, on her own her first year in business mm-hmm. as as Paris Hilton, and then like right after that, she was making uh, over over a million a year, you know, just mm-hmm. rapidly, and and her income just started rising very fast uh, in, in those in those first few years, and I when someone can do that out of nothing. I'm going to say that's a pretty smart business person. Exactly. <laughs> She's making more money than I am, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, she 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 knew. She looked at uh, uh, her market, and her market was celebrity obsessed people. Right. And and so she turned herself into a celebrity, even yep. though she wasn't a, a celebrity for any normal reason, like she wasn't a movie star or TV star or anything like that. But she turned herself into one, right? And and people wanted to know what what she was up to, right. so uh, because she knew her marketplace, and and so she was building a personal brand. So she had to be in all those different places. But there was a lot of work going on behind the scenes where she had a whole staff of people doing all sorts of things. She had outsourced uh, publicity, so she had a publicist. Uh, who uh, that you know that publicist had a team of people. They were all working to uh, create events for her uh, and events around her. And they uh, so so these are all those things about scope creep. Like you know she couldn't be everywhere 
at once and her money was being made because of who she was so yeah. she had to build that personal brand but she knew that if she wanted to build a real business then then a lot of other people would have to come into play right and right. and that that's that's one thing I guess I'm going to go back on something that I said in one of the earliest episodes of Foolish Adventure, because you know when Foolish Adventure started, we were just Izzy and I were just talking about like a one man show, you know, one man one woman show, mm-hmm. and 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 I made uh, made comments in relation to that saying. Okay, if if you want a one man show, then that's great. Do you know you don't need to do all these other things, and you can make a good living, and and it'll just be you. Uh, so, but now I'm looking at because I'm I'm making a lot of changes in my own business structures, and and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, I've got to stop being this one man show. I've been a one essentially a one man show for years, even though I've had teams of people who come and go for different projects. And now it's time to actually have a stable foundation of people working with me, uh, long term, so that I can build a a, a long term asset. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stating this now because that's a, uh, that's a distinction you need to make as a business owner. Like, what kind of business do you want? Right. Right. And, you know, if we want to enjoy that, the, the benefits of the online business lifestyle of having a little bit more freedom and having um, a little more flexibility, some of those things we, that you've talked about in previous episodes in terms of time flexibility, flexibility of working with who you want to work with, things like that, then then it makes sense that you would need to remove yourself or I need to remove myself a little bit at least from doing everything because the everything pile is going to keep growing as there are new opportunities for my business. So, um, so I need to think about, first of all, what, what I should be doing and what I personally can only do and what can I delegate or outsource or just quit doing? Cause there's some things that I'm doing that nobody needs to be doing, <laughs> right? you know, whether yeah. it's <laughs> alphabetizing the spices or, you know, not that, but the, the, the business equivalent of that. Right. That there, it, there's it, always it, that. Yeah, yeah, and looking where I can add those, and and um, I love the idea that you you talked about rather than going from one to one, going from one to many. So, for instance, I get a lot of questions about um, how how should I handle this? And like one question I got was, how do I scrapbook money? I went to China and I've got money and I want to scrapbook it. So I had some thoughts on that, but instead of just responding directly, I said, hey, I'm going to post this on my Facebook page and I'll post my ideas over there, but I want to hear what other people have to say too. So it took me the same amount of time to post to my Facebook page, but it gave content to um, other people, and it also gave my community a chance to to chime in as well. So I upped the interactivity, and plus that that answer is now out there for everybody. It wasn't just shared with one person. So I see how that can really help on a number of different levels. Uh, right, and then what I would suggest is now you have uh, an assistant who takes that content that you created, uh, you know, because there are certain things that you just can't, you know, just hand over to someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's very few of those in a business uh, there, that you are the only person who's <laughs> capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's very few items in, a, in, in an actual business that, that require that. But then you would have that assistant take that same content that was on Facebook rework it into a longer blog post maybe maybe have it as a as some step by steps in it 
and uh, and then take that and then turn it in into a course mm. on on how to do it with money and right. and and maybe even find like a really a really cheap money uh, out there like you get some um, like the re- US dollar <laughs> yeah yeah like <laughs> no uh, value whatsoever right so, like so you put, yeah you yeah. put you put uh, some uh, some rupees in there uh, mm-hmm. from uh, from like Indonesia where like a, a 10,000 rupee bill is only like a few bucks or something you take something like that you you, you can tr- uh, try to package up those kind of things you try to get some of those and then uh, take that and put that in as a as a bonus to this mm-hmm. this scrapbooking package so you can learn how to practice with money from around the world right and and so now you just took the one question and you've turned it into three different things that all serve your business purposes right uh, you know that that's uh, that's the idea of handling scope creep mm. is that is that it's going to happen. I mean, if you want a successful business, you're going to have to do a lot of work, and and you're always going to have more work to do. Right. So you've got to you've got to handle scope creep by getting rid of uh, if you want that kind of successful business. If you just want just the one person successful business, then then you learn how to just limit what you do. Yeah. And 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 just live with it. But if you right. want, if you want more than that, if you want to build a business, you want to build a team around you so that you can reach uh, very high levels. Then then you really have to let go and and, and understand that uh, you're not that special in your company. <laughs> uh, you know, you're just you're just one of the cogs in your own company, and and you need to have other other people come in and help you work. And, and and realize that you know you've you there's only a couple of things that you really have to do in a business. That's great, good stuff. All right, I I think we've uh, kind of hammered this one. What I do you think, think so. All I right. think so. But you know, there's a ton of outshoots off of that, and I'm restraining myself from asking more about certain taking you down other paths just because I know. You know, we did. I think we did a good job on this particular topic. So. And and if we if we want, we can just bring you back in in a later episode, and we can have some more discussions about because uh, I know uh, when we were planning this, you had like, oh, you know, I've got this that we could talk about <laughs> this, and like, okay, I I'd love to talk about all of those. So we'll have Great. to make a bunch of different episodes for that. That sounds fun. All right. Uh, so hopefully everybody got a lot of uh, great information out of this, something that you can use and implement in your business. And until the next time, enjoy your foolish adventure. You've just listened to the Foolish Adventure Show with Tim Conley. To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to foolishadventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module. Over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product. Enjoy your foolish adventure.